What is up, Arizona? Welcome to the Arizona Small Ball Podcast, where we discuss one of the hidden gems in Arizona, high school basketball. Here, we cover everything small ball, and as coaches in the Valley, we understand that these guys don't get enough love or recognition. We're here to advocate for them and show them some love. We talk about scores, coaches, teams, and players, all at Arizona Small Ball. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about recruiting and highlight some offers and scholarships in Arizona Small Bowl. We also got to sit down with the former Arizona Small Bowl player who is now currently a college athlete and talk about his journey from high school to college. It is Monday, April the 5th, and we are on day 15 with no more high school basketball. I know it's tough, but coach, tell me, how, how do you keep yourself busy during the offseason? Usually during my free time, well, especially like how do you now, how do you stay busy? Because you know we're so busy, and then we get done, and we got all this time. What do you do? So usually during this time, my free time is when I'm usually sending about a hundred to two hundred emails a day. Usually trying to just reach out all levels to coaches for my players to get recruited. That's how I spend most of my free time. That's how I take up the day. Besides work, I mean, other than that, I'm just constantly still trying to keep my foot in basketball and just helping these kids get an opportunity to play at the next level. Dang, you're going to make my answer sound terrible, man. Good night. <laughs> Shoot, man, that's awesome. Well, I mean, it's, you know, you still keep your foot in the door with basketball. I know most of us do. It's really hard for me to transition from basketball mode to just off-season mode. I'm sure all of you guys can relate. Reyes, I know you can relate. Coach, I'm going to throw out some scenarios. I know how much we love scenarios, Coach. Oh, we love them, Coach. We I want, love them. I want you to tell me if you have done any of these things at home after the season is over, okay? Oh, geez, I'm ready. All right, here we go. Okay, number one, have you ever called out plays in your sleep? Um, No, that has never happened, but I do talk in my sleep, so I've heard. Are you, are you a big sleep talker? I guess so. I'm trying to think through the plays that we have and which of those would be, like, the weirdest to hear in the middle of the night. Probably you know? horns. Horns! Oh! <laughs> horns! Horns! Oh, man, that's great. Fade. Oh, my know, gosh. Fade. We need to just throw in some weird play names at night so that way it can freak our ladies out. That would be awesome. Exactly. That'd be great. Okay. Have you ever worn your coaching polo after the season? Out on a date. And the key is after the season. Have you ever worn your coaching polo out on a date? <laughs> no, I have not. But Come on. The, I can see you kind of wearing no, the coach's polo but the, a lot. But the co- no, I, I have a couple of nice polos I have. You know me. I love my, I love my clothes. You like dressing so, pretty nice. That's true. But I do wear around the coaching jacket that we got. I How slick that. is that jacket? I, I love, love that jacket. Absolutely so nice. love it. Uh, Coach Rose hooks us up. We got some nice gear. How how many uh how many coaching polos do you have? I believe I only have four. No, you got four. more than four. No. Stop. Oh wait, like from the program or just in general? Just from the program. One, two, three, four, four or five. Honestly, five. see, I have like I don't know. Jenny was giving me a hard time just the other day about looking at like what I was gonna pick out to wear, and I was literally looking at like five of the same polos. Just in different colors. And different she was like, oh, come on, it's all the same. Just pick one. Um, I think I've got, because we get like a school polo and then we get a coaching polo every year. So I've got like 10 of them. Yeah, so you see, so you work for the school. I do not. So I only get the coaching polo. That's true. Like, That's five, true. That's why I said like four or five. And, and you know, for, for our listeners, uh, we always try to match our polos. I don't know if you guys try to do that or not, but that's always kind of a fun thing for us. Yes, I love it. Okay, here's the next one. Have you ever found practice plans, old plays, or drills in your pockets and got emotional because of it? 
Oh my God, absolutely. Speaking on that, last year when we were in the playoffs, literally like right afterwards, I had to drive straight from the uh, from Prescott all the way here to Phoenix to make it to my work. Oh. I get there, and for these that don't know, I work at a Lifetime Fitness, and I work in the kids department. So I'm Those constantly working kids. with kids. Yeah, I know, kids. working with kids, whatever. And I try to make sure <laughs> what's in my pocket. I pull it out, and I have a practice plan or the game plan, pretty much. And I got really emotional, and then. I didn't want to do anything with the kids, so we went to art. You start yelling at the kids because of the game. Exactly. I went to art. We didn't play do anything active. I was like, you know what? We don't need to do anything in the gym. Let's go. <laughs> I have had to chase down my daughter because she was coloring on an old practice plan that I wanted to keep, and I felt like a maniac. Oh, my. Just to keep this little post-it note. Okay. Have you ever got done having a conversation with your significant other and ended it with, all right, together on three. I have. Yes, I have. When deciding where we're going to go eat for dinner or just what we're going to do for the day, I'm like, all right, ready? <laughs> on three, together on three. And then she's like, wait, what are we doing? I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. It's, it just makes sense, right? We get done talking. And it's like, all right, guys, here we go. Together on three. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Game plan is already set. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> have you ever got way too hyped for something like you were in a game but remember the basketball is over oh my god when i watch my some of my favorite tv shows and netflix there's a lot actually i'm i'm really into tv and stuff like that but when something happens and it's like my favorite character and he does something really cool i get pretty hyped and i'm just like let's go or yes and i'm like oh when the bachelor picks the right person (laughs) yeah just uh you know it was like a couple weeks ago my youngest actually pooped in the toilet And, and it happened, and I just – I sat there, and, and, you know, in our program, we're big clappers, and I was just like, yeah, and I kind of expected, like, my other daughter, June, the oldest, to join in. She's kind of looking at me like, what are you doing, Dad? So, yeah, that's, I've definitely gotten a little bit too hyped after after the season. Gosh, man, just – I miss getting hyped and just yelling. I and do, it's too. All okay. Summer Bowl, that's what's coming up, Summer Bowl. That's true. You're right. Okay, have you ever called <laughs> – this is, I love this, man. I've never done this, and I hope I never do. Have you ever called your wife coach on it? No, I have not. And if I did, find me outside living in the streets. <laughs> Sleeping in the doghouse. Sleeping dog in the doghouse, right? on the streets. Catch me with a cardboard box with a dried-out Sharpie. Can't even write the whole sentence, my whole sob story. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know. Gosh, I've never done that before. You know what I do? I, I love how we just call each other coach a lot. And, you know, coaches in the in the program and whatever program you're in, you know how that is. It, it, what's funny is, like, you know, if four of us are all sitting in the same room and somebody just walks in and says coach, I feel like we all know exactly who Exactly. About, you know? It's like some type of a, of a superpower. It's a distinction, you know, like by the tone or I don't know, the situation. I think it's situational usually. Hey, it's just it's something special, man. I, I just freaking love that. It's awesome. I, I miss basketball. It's not easy to transition from basketball to the offseason. But, hey, at least we got to have a season, right? Exactly. I, I agree with that. So we're going to jump in and highlight some player scholarships and also talk with a former Arizona small ball player who is now a college athlete about how this year has been with COVID. But before we do, check this out. There is a very small percentage of high school athletes that gain the privilege of competing in college basketball. That's just a fact. According to the NCAA, back in 2019, there were 540,769 high school boy basketball participants. Guess what percentage went D1 to the NCAA? Oh, I'm going to have to say less than 1%, Coach. So easily less than 1%. It gets worse, though. 
right? Because half of these scholarships will go to players that are 6'5 or taller. So if you're under 6'5, you can reduce your chances by about 0.4%. Now, this is just D1, right? This is not including NAIA or JUCO. We'll, we'll get to that. But to get a more realistic view of things, this is accounting for all high school basketball schools, right? The players that come from smaller schools get an even smaller percentage chance to compete at this level. You can almost slash that percentage previous in half again. You also have to think about junior college transfers as well. I don't even want to calculate chances at that point because they're, they're pretty slim to go D1. And we're not even on the East Coast because the majority of recruits to D1 schools come from the East Coast you want to take a guess of the percentage of how many D1 athletes came from Arizona like in 2019? Just take a guess. I want to take a slight guess, and it's not that big, I'd say. At least, at least like five, maybe less percent, five percent or less. 1.2%. Oof. Now, it could be worse. We are not North Dakota. North Dakota is 0.02% of D1 oh, athletes yeah. back in 2019. <laughs> now, again, keep in mind, this is just to D1 schools. At my college, you know, back in the, in the younger days when I was playing before, we had a kid that said he was going to go play at Vandy, okay? He couldn't even make our, our small college squad. It's great to have high goals and expectations for yourself, but you also got to be realistic, right? The kid was 5'5", five, five, like 220. <laughs> I mean, gotcha. he was not very good. Well, it's a very tough thing to play at a D1 school in the NCAA there's a ton of opportunities at the NAIA, JUCO, and NCAA levels. I mean, there's just a lot. Young athletes, they just get way too close-minded and concerned about divisions. They just do. No, I agree with you, Coach. And definitely don't forget Division Three basketball. There's a lot of high-level play true, going true. on at the Division Three level. And I do like what you said, though. So when it comes to recruiting for those athletes listening, for coaches that are new to the game or anything like that, I'm fairly young, but – I've been dipping in my toes and learning more and more about the recruiting process as I've gained more experience coaching, building relationships with coaches at certain, at various levels. It doesn't matter, you know. As long as these kids get an opportunity to play, they should take it. And so, like, with that being said, we were able actually to find a couple of the kids, not a lot, but we're just going to highlight some kids that we were able to find that had some offers. So, starting off, we had Malik Payton from Florence playing in the 3A. Now, let me tell you, this guy's a 6'1 guard. He's tough. He's a great player. Great player. I think he averaged a little over 26 a game or twenty about 26 a game. Flashy, very quick, can shoot the ball at a very high level. He's just a tough player overall. And here, here are some of his offers that he has. So he has the University of St. Catherine, which is the NEIA, D1. He has Pima College, which is a JUCO in Arizona. He has Graceland University, which is the NEIA, D1. They're a 2018 national championship. They won the 2018 Ooh. National Yeah, so very cool, very good program, and they had many more offers as well. Moving on to that, we have Jacob Rice. And let me tell you about this kid. His is really interesting. This kid has seven offers. I like the message he released on Twitter. I thought it was cool. No, Respectable. I did too. And for those of you who are listening, do not know the message. So he had seven offers from the NAI, D2, all those levels. And on his Twitter, he decides to – walk away from the game of basketball to pursue his education at the Grand Canyon University, which I think is a really great school, Go Lopes, um, mm. which is really cool. So that was really interesting. You know, you have seven offers on the table. He's a really good player. He can play at that level, has great academics. I think he carries like a 3.7, 3.8 GPA, which is really solid, especially if you're looking to go play at the next level. Um, 
following with that, Nick Harrison, this kid plays for Coolidge in the 3A. He's a shorter guard. He's probably about 5'10", 5'11", but this kid is shifty. He's crafty in his work and offensive game. I like the way he plays. I really do, Coach. And he's actually able to pick up some offers. You know, he has Benedictine University, which NAIA, Humble State, Eastern Arizona College, the JUCO, and he's a little bit more. I think he picked nice. up his first Division One offer, I'm not mistaken, by North Carolina AT&T. But, yeah, so those, oh. are just, those are just a couple of kids to highlight that have been picking up offers. So I think that's really cool that they – yeah. Yeah, I'm bi- Big congrats to all these kids. I mean, the whole reason of even sharing those statistics, even though it was geared towards D1, you know, we just really want to highlight that it's not easy to play college basketball anywhere. And we wanted to highlight you guys and and hope that you know that you're in the minority and you guys are awesome. Yeah, and there's just to point that out too. Like, even though we highlighted those three kids, those three athletes, that doesn't go for the rest. Like, for all you kids that are listening to all those athlete coaches that have players that are getting offered and getting looked at, Congrats to you guys. That shows the hard work that's been put in on the off time from the off season. You know what I'm saying? You don't just you just don't walk Absolutely. into the season and think, oh, I'm just gonna get Division One. Oh, I'm gonna NAI scholarship. These schools are really good programs, regardless of whatever level. There's good programs, good schools, good talent wherever wherever you go. So it's just really important to keep that in mind. Now, following with that, there was actually someone that shared this tweet on Twitter, which I really love. Uh, for those of you on Twitter, follow Coach at Tweets by Coach P. Really insightful. He really helps out with kids and the recruiting process. He's just all about giving kids exposure and trying to get those kids to the next level. So this is what he said, Coach. He said, recruits, when a college coach from any level, and that means from the NCAA, D1, all the way to JUCO, D3, whatever level, takes the time to call you or meet with you to for offer you a scholarship, you got to be grateful. There are literally tens mm-hmm. of thousands of kids that would change places with you in a second. These coaches are telling you they believe in you. And that goes for everybody. If you want to play college basketball and you're in that mindset of, oh, I'm a D1, D2 player, get that out of your head. Because to be honest, and this is going to sound kind of harsh, but this is a reality check. You are at the level what's recruiting you. And I, mm-hmm. I, solely, I solely believe it. And that doesn't mean you can't reach that level. But that just means for the time being, these coaches are giving you a chance because they believe in you. They want you to play for their program, and that may be the right fit for you. And you just don't know that because you got stuck in that, oh, I'm a D1 athlete. If you're just so focused on a specific division, I want to be NAIA D1. I want to be at least in the NCAA, whatever. Man, sometimes you just got to get what you can get. You get better. You compete where you're at. You do your best where you're at. And, you know, you just see what happens in the future. You may love where you're at and just stay there. You could have an opportunity to transfer out later. But, man, I love that quote. you got to be thankful for the people that are recruiting you. And you've got to at least give that a look and not write it off because it's not D1, right? All those statistics that I was sharing earlier, you know, those are all geared towards D1. NAIA schools offers a 1,000-plus half or full scholarships a year. You know, that's not even including like junior colleges and things like that. If you got an opportunity to go play and you're especially from a smaller school in Arizona, man, you take it, you do your best, you keep grinding because we know if you're from a smaller school, you're going to be grinding anyways. You've already got that mentality. We're going to talk to somebody who has that mentality. You you just got to keep doing it, man, and just be blessed and enjoy the time that you've got as you're competing at college basketball because a very small percentage of and people get one to do that. Quick question before, one quick response before we move on. 
Um, just for the recruits out there, like I said, coaches, make sure you emphasize grades to these kids. You may have the talent mm. to go compete. Hey, do you remember? Do you remember? Uh, I don't know when it was. It was like a, like three weeks ago. We were, we were uh, emailing a coach about a kid, and they said, "What's his uh, GPA?" And I was like, uh, "I'll get yeah, back to you on that I one." I do remember <laughs> that. Yeah, like, we yes, can't yes. tell what the GPA. So, is. coaches, emphasize grades to your kids. Make sure they take their tests. Just do what you can because a lot of it is you can have the talent to compete at any of these levels, but if you don't have the grades to show it, that it's not gonna. They don't want you. They want the both. They want the package. You know, they want you to be able to play and succeed right. in school. Because at the end of the day, there's a very small percentage to get to go play pro outside of college basketball. So you got to make sure you're ready Absolutely. with your degree in hand to go really make a difference in this world and get to find a job and great career. Absolutely. We want to highlight this because what some of these kids are doing is awesome. You guys receiving scholarships, committing, uh, you know, Jaden DeBoer going to Western Washington and other people getting offers. Um, that was yeah, he's going, going to Western, right? Western Washington, Washington University, which is a NCAA D2. So congrats on you, Jaden DeBoer. And, you know, one of my least favorite responses from college coaches when you reach out to them about one of your kids. Well, who oh, else is recruiting them? I Right. Oh, I hate that. Right. Because nobody wants to be the first one exactly. to believe and that's in a mean. kid. Exactly. Man, I hate that so, coach, so if you guys didn't hear that, yeah. listen again. Because when a coach says, who else is recruiting him, that means that that coach is actually interested in you, but he doesn't want to jump the gun so early. That's what it pretty much means. I mean, you guys are definitely in the minority. We wanted to share those statistics in the beginning just to, to highlight how special it is what you've achieved. Great job, guys. And also, man, some of these college coaches, they just need to start seeing some of the talent in Arizona small ball. Don't overlook these kids because of where they're from. Evaluate their talent. We wanted to talk with one of our favorite players from Arizona small ball, Jason Collier. As a senior, Jason averaged 26 points per game. He was sixth in all of Arizona in scoring. He also won the 2A Central Region Player of the Year and was selected all-conference first team for all of 2A. He's out of Camp Verde High School and was definitely part of the minority in receiving a college scholarship. Jay, thanks for hopping on the show, man. Before we get into some questions, how overrated would you say that James Harden is right now? Uh, well, thank you for having me on. And right now, I think James Harden is underrated. <laughs> Uh, he's definitely the MVP. MVP, yeah, on conversation okay. for sure. Okay. Yeah, you saw him on the Rockets. Everyone was criticizing him. Blah blah blah. Then he goes to the Nets and he just throws dimes, averaging eleven assists, just like that. And man, I'm surprised he's still in your MVP race with how much weight he's put on. <laughs> no, he didn't put on any weight. That was uh, he did that on purpose. He wanted to get traded, so he put a little thing on purpose. <laughs> on purpose to get traded. That's he did not great. put weight on. Okay, so. Anyways, we know that this has been a crazy year with COVID and all, but if you could sum up this past basketball season in one word, man, how would you describe it? Uh, one word would be adversity for me personally, because everybody had to go through COVID. Everyone knows the difficulties that came with it. Um, I'm sure, you, uh, you know, coaches go into practice one day and they only have seven, eight, six guys, you know what I mean? So, it's, you don't know who's going to be out there the next day. You don't know where you're going to be the next game with players. And, and, you know, for players as well, you don't know if you're going to be able to play the next five games because if you get COVID or around. So how do you handle adversity and come back with what mindset for the next game? 
How many games did you guys have on your schedule? And, like, how many did you actually play? I think we had 18 to 20 games. What was it again? So, it was you had a fever for one of them, right? So you couldn't play? I had a – yeah, at the end, I had a fever, and that was the end of the season, and I missed, like, three games because of that because it was, like, uh, three games in one week. I had a fever, and then I caught bronchitis, and I was down, like, for the rest of the week, and they had to make sure I didn't have it, didn't come in later or something like that, so. I was out for that week as well. So I missed like three games right you there. You should have. Did you think about getting an ice pack and putting it on your forehead so that way it would cool yourself off? No, that never Coaches, was. Coaches, I know mind. that some of you probably did that on the bus where you got an ice pack and put it on somebody to cool them off. I'm just saying. So, so you competed at a really high level in high school, Jay. For, for those of you listening, you know that he was tough. He's one of the, the best players in Arizona small ball. One of the most competitive players in Arizona. Um, Jay, did you feel like you were able to compete just as well at the college level? I, I think uh, I was able to compete. I don't know if you want to say just as well because, you know, I I did okay in high school. and But college is definitely a different animal. But I definitely was able to compete. Uh, everyone gets longer, faster. So it's just about, you know, how you kind of uh, change your game up to compete with those players. Uh, you're seeing different, more athletic players. So once I kind of changed my game up, um, tried to make my shot a little quicker, do some little tweaks in my game, I think I was able to compete just well. Well, that's what I was kind of curious about. Like, you said some little tweaks to your game. Like, what was one of the big tweaks you feel like you had to do making that transition to college? There there was a few. One of the big ones um, was for sure I used to take a step mm. when I shot the basketball and I would take a nice step and it would be take a long time for me to shoot it and I remember I first went in there and I, I the step wasn't as big um compared to my junior year but it's still a step and we were an open gym and I took that step I was wide open and out of nowhere you know this I think he was about six seven he was long came up and he just packed me <laughs> and I was like oh immediately right there I was thinking to myself like I was wide open it would have got the shot off you know back at home and I was thinking to myself, well, my shot is just too slow. So I was shooting on the machine before season, and I was just really focusing every day to make sure that my step was more off of a hop, right? Because I'd use the step as a dip, you know. So I was make, I was just tried to get rid of that, which I finally did. Um, and then using ball screens a lot, reading defenses, setting up a combo cross. Following up with that question, what what do you what was your recruiting process like? It was interesting because. I didn't have a ton of offers going into my senior year. Uh, about midway through my the season, my senior year, my coaches pulled me in. They did a lot for me, but they pulled me in and told me my first uh, place I could go play, uh, ACU, Arizona Christian University, and I was super stoked. I mean, I was thrilled. And then after that, uh, you uh, helped me out a ton, you know, on Twitter, just sending out to a bunch of coaches, and we got about 10 more schools, 10 more offers after that. It was about June. I decided July signed something like that. Yeah. Um. So I waited a while, and it was super thrilling, nerve wracking because it was last minute. Um. Nervous because I didn't have a ton of offers, but I mean, I wouldn't want to change it. It was super. You know, it was the way I did it. It was, it was a great time. No, I agree with that totally. Now, do you feel like college coaches overlook players coming out of the two two way, even though there's really great players like yourself that were coming out of there? Yeah, I do think that they overlook them, but I understand why they overlook them. Um, I understand both sides to it. If if I'm going up, if my film is just me blowing by someone, you know, a bunch of, um, I don't want to say unathletic kids, but, you know, we all know that the 2A isn't as skilled or um, 
lengthwise, athletic-wise, as a 5 or 6A. Yeah. So, you know, they look at that. But I do think that the top 2A teams can definitely compete with 5 or 6A teams. You know, they can compete with them. So just about getting the right film, sending it to the right coaches. Uh, and coaches, I think that they, they do overlook them. I think a lot of it can be – you could judge a player off skill too, you know. I mean, at the end of the day, it's about putting the ball in the hoop. And if a player has a ton of skill, I think that – you know, so they, they don't take a lot of risks on those type of players because of they look at more of the athleticism or, you know, where they're coming from rather than how good are they. No, I absolutely agree with that. Now, besides COVID, because obviously, you know, COVID was a really big struggle for everybody this year. What do you think was your biggest struggle for you at college this year? The biggest struggle was when I first got there, I was super excited. We I was working hard for the first three weeks. It was our kind of you know, training camp or whatever you want to call it. We were doing a lot of basketball, a lot of weightlifting. And then I uh, sprained my MCL, and that just got me on a bad bad track right there. I, I was out for over a month. I think it was a month and a half, month and a week. And then right when I got back, I the first day, I overpushed it, of course. I was playing until like 11 at night with one of my buddies, and the next day my groin was pulled. <laughs> so I missed about two to three weeks right after that. And it was just a mess on that. So just taking care of my body was a struggle. Um, you know, I learned a lot from that, though, for sure. No, definitely. Yeah, and I mean, I think all of us high school coaches know what the restrictions and what expectations were put on us because of COVID. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious because I don't even know this. What what were all the restrictions that you guys had to do for COVID, like leading up to games or practices? Like, what were some of the procedures you guys had to do? First, we had to fill out a screening it was just, you know, if you're too sick, blah, blah, blah. Then you had to get checked. You have to always wear a mask except in practice. You have to get your temperature checked before, and then you're good to go after that. Um, for a game on game days. Well, most people were good to go. <laughs> yeah, except me, huh? On game days, um, you would go and get your temperature checked, show them your screening. They'd write you down on a list and clear you. Um and then just wear a mask everywhere. And they were pretty chill about everything else. I mean, it was in Iowa. And, you know, they were just pretty chill. Super small town. Uh, one thing was the gym. You couldn't just go in the gym whenever you wanted. They said it was because of COVID. Um, so you can't just get in the gym. It was rare to get in the gym outside of practice because of that. How did they do quarantine if you did get COVID? You got COVID. They would uh, put you in a little, little dorm. It was tiny, almost like a jail sale you'd have to be in there for two weeks and they bring you food um and that was about it yeah they you'd get like uh three meals and they'd bring you little snacks and people told me the snacks were awful it was like peanut butter crackers and that was it <laughs> like they they'd give you like a bunch of peanut butter crackers for two weeks and that's all you had and they'd give you three meals a day so i love it you're yeah, you're stuck in they there. They could probably just do that to kids they didn't even like. You know, <laughs> yeah. and just say, hey, you have COVID and just shove them in this We're room. We're short on food. Just give them one, one meal a day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah. And I think just saying that COVID was tough is an understatement because there's just so many things behind the scenes that not only you and other players had to deal yeah. with, but even just had to think about, yeah, you know, even if exposing yourself to people and just that reality. Yeah, for sure. Even if a player, like one time my roommate didn't test positive, but he was around someone that tested positive. Like if you were around someone that tested positive, it linked crazy. So then I had to get quarantined. You know what I mean? Like for 
I think a certain amount of days, like five and then get tested. And then if you were negative, you're good to go. You know what I mean? So it's just like every, all the, it was just right. linked to everybody. Cause if you were around this person, Oh, you just been around that person. Okay. All you guys have to quarantine. Now. You know what I mean? So it was a matter. Right. So we've talked about COVID enough. I don't, I want to set all that aside because we've all heard and we're all probably just tired of it at this point. Mm-hmm. Setting COVID aside what is just some general advice that you would give to some high school players that are making the jump into college? Like if you could go back and talk to yourself this summer, right before you're recruiting and all that going into college, what would you tell yourself as some advice? Um, first things first, see your weaknesses and work on them. Uh, Cause college is, you know, it's a different animal just with athleticism and stuff like that. So know where your weaknesses are and work on them. Uh, work on your game every day and then be ready to take care of your body because college along with school, you know, you got a lot going on. We had like uh, weightlifting, we had open gym and then like skills for two hours. So it was a lot going on in that preseason. Um, and I wasn't getting in bed the right time. I wasn't eating the right foods, you know, and I ended up getting injured for it. So if I think I would have taken care of my body a little better, get in bed the right time, not waiting last minute to do homework, stuff like that. I think, you know, my body would have been prepared better. So, you know, I'll be ready for that demanding schedule. It's not like high school where you have, you know, open gym once a week and maybe lunch practices or whatever in off season. It's every day, three to five hours, you know, so just be ready for that. That's one of the biggest differences that I noticed when I went to go play college is how demanding it was, how intensive the schedule was. I mean, you are, if you're going to make the commitment to being a college athlete, no matter what level you're playing at, it's super time consuming. And you are basically saying no to a lot of other things just so that way you can compete, which is worth it, but it's a lot of work. A ton of sacrifices. I mean, it was seven days a week. Our only off day was outside of skills of playing was Sunday. And even then we had film, you know, so you couldn't make plans that night because we had film and study hall for three hours you know so yeah and i know you're a grinder you like to work really really hard and there were certain times that you couldn't get into the gym yeah what is the did you ever like have to shovel snow on the court to, to <laughs> play or what did you ever do anything crazy like that because i know you're not used to the weather in iowa oh like yeah the weather was crazy so it took a while to snow like the when i went back from christmas break after all that happened um with that's another story himself. But after I went back for Christmas break, there was snow everywhere. I never did shovel snow. Um, but before all the snow came, there's a little park. Um, it's called the Bruce Jenner Park or whatever. Because actually, fun fact, Bruce Jenner went to our school. But anyways, I would go there and it'd be nighttime. Um, Man, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'd go there and it'd be nighttime and I'd be shooting on that park. I mean, I, I remember a few conversations. I'd be talking to you on the phone now shooting at that park. You know what I mean? So I'd go there at nighttime. Sure all the time after our little workouts and stuff, you know, and I would go and shoot and get shots up probably three to four times a week. And then I would go there in the snow too. I went a few times. It was about, I think it was about 11 degrees. So I was like, okay, I mean, we can work with 11 degrees because it was pretty much in the negatives that whole, you know, time I was there. So I went there one time with gloves and a beanie and everything. And I just did form shooting and that was about it. Cause I mean, <laughs> it was freezing. So it's all about the grind, man. I love it. I do dribbling drills in my uh, dorm room, though. That's good, man. You got to figure out any way you can do it. How sure. many uh, – what's your record at King over there in college? I know you keep track of your record. Oh, I love King. That's my favorite. Um, 
I lost a few times. Um, I mean, overall record, I definitely won more than I lost. I lost a few times. One of my buddies, Carlos, I think twice, but I beat him, you know, many times. Um, <laughs> and then I lost to another guard, and but I beat him many times. So, I, I mean, I was definitely in the plus. No cockiness involved, but I love King. That's my game. Mm, gotcha. <laughs> do, do you mind sharing for our listeners what your record is against me and King? Oh, I mean, it's – first off, if we're talking about one-on-one or King, I, I don't think you've ever even been close to me, ever. And one-on-one? Yeah, or King. And one-on-one, it was no, like – last time we no. played, it was 11-0. to zero. I, I don't know about 11-0. Let to zero. me take you back to Butler. Well, last time we played was my junior year. We played four times, and I beat you all four times in a row, and you scored like three points on each. Last and time I we remember, never Jason, again. you hurt Coach Luet. You were trying to take him out. That wasn't that even was a one-on-one. <laughs> no, that was a rough night. That was a rough All night. I remember with one-on-ones with you is cooking you, even my sophomore year when we were at the rec center. I know you remember that. Uh, he, we were playing one-on-one. He said, first one to 11. I don't 11. remember that. I don't know what you're talking about. Let's Reyes. just move on. No, we're going to tell him real quick. First one to 11, right, Reyes? We get, okay. I get to 11. Okay, first one to 21. I get to 21. Okay, first one to 30. I get to 30. First one to 40. He went all the way up to 50. <laughs> what was his score? Hey, you know what? You got to you got to do anything you can. <laughs> you got to do anything you can to win. Sometimes you got to cheat to win. Jay. Hey, if anything, Ray is okay. the one that makes it hard. <laughs> Old town. <laughs> All right, so Jay, thinking in the offseason, what is a goal that you have for this offseason for your own personal growth as a basketball player moving forward into next year? I have several goals. The, the first one is I do want to get stronger. Uh, you guys helped me out a lot getting stronger these past few years, and I just keep wanting to add to that, you know, because in the college, in college, uh, guys are stronger. And if I get some on my side, I want to be able to just kind of control and keep them there. So I want to continue to get stronger, add a little bit more weight. I want to add a little bit to my vertical. Um, those are things I've been working on for a long time, and it's just slowly, slowly kind of going. Um, and then I just want to work on everything else, polish up my game, everything else, work on a lot of ball screens. You know, if they do a hard hedge or a soft hedge, what to do under, over, you know, if they ice ball screen. So just keep working on stuff like that. Cause I, I, I've been working on it a lot, but in the college, I mean, there's a ton of ball screens. So, um, just keep working on that to be ready for that. Um, keep working on, uh, off the hop or catching on a hop and shooting rather than one, two, because I'm really dominant one, two, but I need to be able to do both. So just, and then just, you know, polishing my game up every, everywhere else, seeing the floor, making the right decisions. Um, yeah, those are, those are the main things. Jay, we have no doubt you're going to achieve those goals. One of the hardest working kids I've ever met. Appreciate Thank that. you so much for hopping on the show, man. And just kind of talking with us for a little bit. It's been fun just to hang out and, uh, and just talk a little bit, man, about who. So I appreciate that. On. Thank you guys for letting me come on and, It was a good time talking to you guys. Appreciate it. We know you guys enjoy the show, but hop on Apple Podcasts and write us a review. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Follow us on Twitter at smallballpodaz. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook. We appreciate all of you tuning in and supporting Arizona Small Ball. Catch you next week.